Hello, everyone. This is Smoke the Podcast, episode six. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us once again. We appreciate all the support, as usual. Uh, today's uh, topics, uh, we're not going to do a cigar today. Um, Close, but no cigar. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so our next episode, we'll have a little more uh, cigar-centric topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but today, we're just not going to do it. Um, well, we have a lot to cover, and that's, that's yeah, kind of we lot. did is kind of a lot to cover, and we don't want to be worried about you know keeping our cigars lit and going into that review to <laughs> uh, kind of interrupt this, the uh, the flow of the show. Yeah, um, but we are going to be sipping on some whiskey, uh, Jack Daniel's Single Barrel Select, um, and our firearms topic today is going to be the 2019 California gun laws, the new ones or the ones that are taking effect, not necessarily new. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's dive into it. Um, our whiskey's not poured yet, so uh, let's go ahead and pour that up. Um, Ryan, you want to kind of give us a, a rundown about this whiskey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is the Jack Daniels Single Barrel Select. Now, we've already done a Gentleman Jack. This is the step up. So this is the description of the whiskey from jackdaniels.com. It is bottled at 94 proof. Um, single barrel select layers subtle notes of caramel and spice with bright fruit notes and sweet aromatics for a Tennessee whiskey with one-of-a-kind flavor. Uh, the unique fact about this whiskey versus some of the other ones is you can actually see uh, the bottling date and, and the um, barrel that it comes from, which is really, really cool. Um, it is 47% alcohol alcohol. Uh, and yeah, it's just a, a really, really great glass of whiskey. Um, so let's go ahead and, and get that aroma. Right, we're all poured. Cheers. Cheers. Smells very good. Yeah, it's smooth. Um, I don't know what it is about Jack Daniels, but uh, it has a very distinct flavor uh, smell, no matter which kind you're, you're drinking. Well, yeah, it's funny. I was going to say, like, I don't, I don't smell like anything really specific. I more just smell... Jack Daniels whiskey. Um, so <laughs> let's go. I'm going to try it now. Uh, that's good. Yeah. It's really smooth. It's very smooth. Um, it does have that Jack Daniels flavor. Yeah. Um, maybe. I'm uh, getting a, like a note of, uh, I, well, it does say caramel, which is funny because I'm actually tasting a little bit of a caramel like aftertaste to it. Um, if you like Gentleman Jack. My, my biggest knock about Gentleman Jack is it's always been really smooth, but not really, really, really flavorful. Yeah. Um, this seems to be a combination of flavor and, and smoothness. Well, a little more flavor than the Gentleman Jack. Yeah, and I think, but, like we said, uh, the, the unique fact about it is it, distraw it draws that distinct flavor from the barrel. Um, and so I think you're getting a lot more of like that oak barrel flavor to it, which is pretty cool. So this is one that I have had before, and I enjoy it. Um, so it's not something that's, that's new to me. Um, but I would have to say if, if someone had single barrel select, um, and I, that was a choice that I could have, I'd, I'd definitely go with it. So, um, yeah, good all around. And then, um, just so you guys know, before we get started on our, on our big topic today, cause literally the moment we get started on the topic that that's pretty much all we're going to be covering today, um, is because we're not having cigars, we're actually indoors today. So we're changing up the recording setup a little bit, yep, uh, just, just, a little to, bit. just to kind of see how things work. Um, so you'll probably hear my Siberian Husky and my German Shepherd uh, wandering around the house and eating food and drinking water. And, and make, making normal dog noises. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if the Husky gets a little rowdy, you'll probably hear her talking back to us. So. Um, but yeah, let's uh, move on to today's topic. So our firearms topic. All right. Well, let's just go through um, each of the laws uh, that are kind of taking effect in 2019, just brief, uh, briefly, one by one, uh, you want to go ahead and uh, just read us through it and what what they uh, what's what's happening. We'll give our opinions and everything. We'll go each uh, one by one later, but just to give everybody an overview of what uh, what's been passing over here in California. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let me just read these. These are literally just like a super brief description. So we'll start with Senate Bill 1100. Um, that raises the age limit from 18 to 21 years old to purchase any long guns. Um, Assembly Bill 2103. This requires applicants to undergo a minimum of eight hours of training and pass a live fire shooting test to receive their concealed carry weapons permit in California. 
Then we have Assembly Bill 3129. Um, this one states that anyone convicted of a misdemeanor, um, domestic violent, uh, violence charge going forward will lose his or her right to own a firearm. Um, Senate Bill 1200 adds magazines and ammunitions uh, of any type to the list of items that can be temporarily confiscated with a gun violence restraining order. Um, Assembly Bill 1968 mandates a lifetime ban on the ownership of firearms to those involuntarily admitted to a mental health facility more than one time in a one-year period. And then last but not least, Proposition 63. This is uh, basically the new ammunition purchase law, which requires background checks on all California ammunition purchases. And then last but not least, if we have enough time, we can briefly touch on the one big federal law for 2019, which is the ban on bump stocks, the devices that let semi-automatic rifles fire faster. So if we have time. All right. Well, let's jump into it. Senate Bill uh, 1100, uh, raising the age limit uh, from 18 to 21 to purchase long guns. Um, this... Uh, Pistols have always been 21. Well, uh, so in I've, California, I don't know exactly what year it went to 21. Yeah, I don't know about that. But the basically, I, I have a little synopsis for each one of these in my, my personal notes here. And it basically just says raises the age um, to buy all legal firearms from 18 to 21. Californians were already barred from buying handguns until age 21. So this is essentially just saying that all guns now have to be purchased after the age of 21. However, military members... Law enforcement and those with hunting licenses are exempt from this law. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Jeff Daniels uh, published December 27, 2018 on CNBC.com, um, quote, and I quote here, he said, In addition, uh, California and at least five other states, Washington, Florida, Hawaii, Illinois, and Vermont, as well as the District of Columbia, passed laws in 2018 that raised the minimum age from 18 to 21 years old for the purchase of long guns. At least a dozen other states already restrict ownership or possession of long guns to individuals under the age of 21. So at least a dozen others plus five more. I mean, we're looking at quite a few states now that are doing this. Um, and what are your thoughts on this? Um, I don't understand it. I... I... I think the big push for this um, uh, came from or, or comes from I, I, I think the mindset of maybe preventing uh, people from owning AR-15s. Yeah. Um, I think that's where they uh, uh, why they're trying to do with the long guns um, even though a AR-15s are not are used in I mean I think what is it less than 5% of right. of gun deaths uh, right. in the, in America. Right. Um, but you know, I just, I, I don't think it makes sense. I don't, I don't think it's going to achieve anything except for making people wait three more years to buy a gun. <laughs> right. Well, I think my big issue with this and some of the research that I did showed that the big push for this in 2018 began because of that shooting mm -hmm. in Parkland, Florida, um, uh, at the, at the school there, um, where the, I think he was 17 years old, the shooter was 17 years old, and um, it was in the beginning of the year in 2018. So mm -hmm. that was a major push um, to say, hey, look, this kid uh, got a hold of this AR and then went on a shooting spree. He, maybe he was 19, I'm not really sure of the age, but regardless, um, it was with an AR-15, and I think that that was kind of the basis for, for really pushing this now. Um, especially in, in the five states that, that actually did something about it. Uh, actually, six states, because it's California plus five others. Um, so the six states that did something about it this year. Now, here's the thing. I pulled up, and this is the Washington Post. Yes. I pulled up an article by the Washington Post, which in my opinion isn't necessarily the most conservative um, news source, but this was written November 9th, 2018. Actually, it was updated November 9th, 2018. Um, supposedly, this is an article that gets updated um, with with mass shootings. It's by Bonnie Berkowitz, Denise Liu, and Chris Alcantara. And I'm sorry if I pronounced any of those wrong. Um, I highly doubt they're going to be listening to the podcast, though. 
Um, basically, in their article, they summarize all of the mass shootings that have happened in the United States pretty much since August 1st, 1966. They say that 158 mass shootings um, have taken place since then. Now, they say that the vast majority of the shooters were between ages 20 and 49. Yes. So that's a huge, a huge, 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 like, uh, range. Like, yeah. that's, that's insane. So you've got to be 21 to buy a long gun. They've got one year, 20, right? Mm-hmm. And then they've literally got from 21 to 49. That's the average range, right? Yes. With one of those years being included in that range. So if they really wanted to do something crazy, like they should be looking statistically at how often 18 to 20 year olds are going on these mass shooting sprees, if that's their intention. Yeah. But I, you know, I just think it was a knee jerk reaction. No, to, I, I completely yeah, agree. And, and they don't, that's why they didn't look at it. And that's, and that's why they don't care. that's typically what, uh, what happens. Right. Um, as far as data is concerned, I couldn't really find very much data on just gun deaths in general. Um, you know, but I did see that, uh, you're, it's 18 to 40 is the highest, the highest victim rate. Uh, 18 to 40 um, years of age male is the highest victim rate. Okay. But I didn't see any um, that had, you know, actual shooter ages. Statistics, yeah. I yeah. don't know that they're too keen on releasing that kind of information. Anyways, well, the other thing that that Washington Post article said is that by far, 9 millimeter semi-automatic handguns show up more than any other weapon. Yes. 9 millimeter semi-automatic handguns. What part of that is AR-15 rifle? <laughs> <laughs> or long gun, for that matter. I mean, really. Yeah. Um, so that just goes to show, I mean, that a vast majority of these people are from the ages 20 to 49. But, I mean, if you're taking a dead average of that, that's like somewhere around 35 years old, right? Yes. And that's a dead average, right? So that, that doesn't even apply to that age range. And then 9 millimeter semi-automatic handguns show up more than any other weapon in mass shooting history. Um, so why on earth are they targeting the AR-15 and all of these long guns? Um, it's To me, it's it, you're right. It's a knee-jerk reaction. It's a little ridiculous. Yes, and it, it does put a limit on uh, all long guns. And, you know, even if you have a, a, a hunting license, I guess you're exempt. Right. Um, I mean, but still, you know, that's like bolt action yeah. uh, rifles. I mean, you're not really going to do very much. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I mean, not to say that, that bolt action rifles haven't been used in shootings before, but it, the amount of damage that you can do with a bolt action rifle is far less than, like, yes. you know, some of these other, other guns, that like the semi-automatic handguns. So, um, yeah, so that was just some interesting um, information that, that I was able to dig up, and that came straight from the Washington Post. Now, here's the other thing that, that I noticed with this law that I kind of find to be a little frustrating is it says law enforcement, right? They're exempt. Well, here's the problem. If you look at most law enforcement agencies in California, if you actually look at their hiring requirements, they won't even allow you to work as an officer until the age of 21 anyways. Oh. So that exemption, it's really – they're saying like, oh, it's an exemption. You can get around it. But there are very, very few departments in the entire state of California that hire 18-year-olds. Yeah. You know? Um, in fact, I think the average age of most law enforcement officers going in is the mid-20s. So really that doesn't help at all. Now, here's another interesting part um, about the law is that there's no real defined age for junior hunters in California as long as the hunter safety course is completed. So essentially that means like a 12-year-old can possess a 12-gauge while hunting with no issues. And, um, you know, it, it, it it's... That to me is a little ridiculous. I mean, yeah. if you guys are trusting a 12-year-old kid to go out and, and take quail and take um, deer or take whatever ethically and responsibly, why on earth can't they own – I mean, I guess they can. In this case, they can own a long gun, but it's ridiculous. You yeah, know? I, I guess for me, it's uh, more of your you know risk-reward. You're not really risking anything because um, you know it's statistically – uh, these guns are not used in the majority of of gun deaths in the United States, um, but you're preventing people from 18 to 21 to not be able to protect themselves yeah. if they need it. I mean, Well, more commonly than that, a home defense shotgun. We've talked about home yeah. defense on this show before, um, and I think we've actually talked about it a few times, but – like at that age, if you're 18 years old, you're living on your own, you're in mm-hmm. a bad part of town or whatever, you've got an apartment in an area where there are break-ins and this and that. I mean, why on earth can't you buy a 12-gauge shotgun to yeah. protect yourself? 
I mean, that would, that would make total sense. Right? Why do you have to be 21 years old now? Yeah. Okay, you can live on your own, you can rent an apartment, you can have a credit card, you can join the military, you can vote, but guess what? You can't protect yourself in your own house. Yeah. That's essentially what they're saying. Um, the, the only part of this entire bill that makes any sense to me, just to me personally, is the military at 18 years of age. So they say, you know, hey, we're issuing long guns to the military, uh, you know, and that, that's what we've been doing forever. We issue long guns to the military. Um, so if you join, you can buy. And I've always said that, hey, man, you're old enough to serve. Why can't you buy a gun? You know, well, in this case, they're saying, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and serve and we'll give you a gun. Um, so that's the only part that makes sense. However, from my understanding of the bill is that uh, it doesn't include AR platforms. So there's like a lot of restricted guns that are on this long gun list. Uh-huh. So to me, in my opinion, I'm looking at that going, well, that doesn't make any sense. If you're carrying an AR every day in the military, yet you can't <laughs> buy an AR platform long gun, but, you know, what's the sense in that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff is not well thought through in my opinion. Yeah, but um, like I said, I, I'm trying not to be completely negative. I actually yeah. agree with that part. If you serve in the military, I think you should be exempt and be able to buy, you know. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> I also think people 18 should be able to buy. I couldn't agree them. more. I'm I just saying. They should I, be able to purchase handguns also, too, I, personally. Yeah, I agree. But I'm just saying that's the only clause that actually makes any sense. So um, the other thing, though, too, is what's to stop, uh, you know, any anyone, I mean, honestly, anyone from age 18 to 21 that wants a gun bad enough? I mean, what's to stop them from, I mean, but that's a, we could literally use that argument pretty much with every single one of these laws. Yes, uh, we're trying to avoid the, um, <laughs> the, the law-abiding are... citizen argument where, yeah. oh, while well, the criminals are going to get the guns anyway, which is obvious. I mean, that's, that's an obvious argument. Um, we try to avoid that argument only because that can be applied to everything. And it, it, you'll get you'll will become repetitive. If it, we want it is to do true, that. but I did feel like it does need to be brought it, up. It really does need to be brought up because that needs to be brought up with with a lot of a lot of the arguments is that you know the law abiding citizens that are eighteen to twenty one can't protect themselves. Um, but if somebody wanted to commit a crime like murder, um, a gun uh, law is not something that's going to stop them. Yeah. Right? You know, that's that's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just funny to me. The drugs are illegal. Meth and cocaine and all these other things. But yet we have people walking into hospitals every day overdosing on these things. So... Um, yeah, they're going to – it can be – you can get them. Yeah, exactly. Know, that's, so, just, that's just the way it is. I'm not going to mention that, that <laughs> argument again for the – I'm going to – actually, I'm going to try not to mention that argument again for the yeah, rest of I the mean, evening. I mean I, we might have to revisit that again because it, it's There's There it's are a so few that, that in mind – yeah, that in, in my thought, it's just like that – it's so obvious that like it's not going to do anything. But um, what we want to do is just logically break down each law and tell right. you why it's flawed. So <laughs> in my – yeah, so in my opinion, I just – the biggest thing is that you know on this one the to summarize nine millimeter semi-automatic handguns are used more than any other weapon in mass shootings vast majority were between ages of 20 and 49 which gives you an average age of about 35 years old um that being said it really doesn't make sense that we're banning long guns from people ages 18 to 21 yeah i just don't think it's gonna make a difference. well and the and the kids There's that no need for it. and the kid like literally um all of the local gun stores were posting clear up until the last day of December, like come in and pick up your gun. Like today's the last day. So all these kids got grandfathered in. Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of 18 to 21 year olds running around with, you know, rifles and shotguns. (laughs) Who might not have gotten them before. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who might not have gone out and bought them before. So it's, I don't know. Anyways, on to the next one, which is AB 2103, uh, licensed to carry concealed weapons. Now, This, uh, I'll read the summary here. This one requires that anyone wanting to carry a concealed weapon undergo a minimum of eight hours of training on firearm safety, handling, and technique. In addition, applicants would need to demonstrate how to safely handle and shoot a firearm and perform live fire shooting exercises at a firing range. Local sheriffs and police chiefs would still issue concealed weapon permits. In fact, this one is currently in effect. So even though it's a new one for 2019, it's it was one that we passed a while ago, and then I guess kind of now is, is more um, – it's a big thing now. So Well, my, uh, my thing for this is I've always thought and I've always kind of told people that if you want to be a concealed carry permit holder, you should train. Everybody should train that wants to shoot. 
Um, everybody should undergo their own training. Um, I guess the question now is, should this be um, government mandated? Um, you know, I don't know. That That's up to the individual. I don't, I, I think, you know, eight hours minimum might be a little too much. Uh, you know, I, I think they put that in there so that less people will, will want to do it. Or like, you know, right? Yeah, they go. Um, oh man, eight hour day. I don't want to do that. Yeah, you know? but you know, I just think uh, if if you're into guns enough to want to carry uh, concealed, um, you should have training. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? So in, in my opinion, this is one law where I really don't have a problem with requiring training yes. per se. Um, in fact, some training is required for most CCW permits in most states. For example, with Arizona, you can carry concealed without a permit. However. A permit allows you to have a lot more freedoms yes. while carrying concealed. And so um, the one thing that to me is the most important about CCW permits in most states is that it familiarizes you with um, the laws, the local laws in the states. Um, and then it also familiar, familiarizes you with uh, reciprocity in other states. Uh. So like whether or not your whether or not your concealed carry permit is like good in, in, you know, across state lines and, and what, what you can and can't do. So to me, that's the most important part is like knowing what laws pertain to you now that you're carrying concealed and you know, what happens when you cross state lines. I think that should be re required. I have no problems with that being required. Yeah. My, my thing too is, as I always ask people, um, what is your, your line and you know, I, I understand the uh, slippery slope arguments, um, but you know if uh, the eight hours minimum and the the live fire shooting test, if that was the line and that was what what uh, more of the quote unquote anti gun people want, then they should make that the line, and everybody that that does that should be able to get a concealed carry permit with no problems. Right. The problem is in California is if you live in certain counties, you're not going to get one. Yeah, you, you know, could even pay for all of that training, yeah. go through it, and they go, "Nah, we're just not going to give it to you." Yeah, you they, you don't have a, a valid reason or you know things yeah. like that. And I know that we're coming from California, where the laws are a lot more strict, and it's not you know I, I have a lot of people are probably laughing at us saying, "Well, you know, in my state, we just have to go and." And get one. Yeah. Yeah, just <laughs> you know, go walk in and get one. Um, it's not like that in California, unfortunately. Um, you know, and... You have to provide good cause. You yeah. have to have a statement that's approved by the sheriff or his, uh, you know, lieutenants or whatever. Some Someone high up within the sheriff's department has to say, yeah, they have a good reason to carry a gun. Yeah, not all counties are shell-issue counties. Yeah, and there's there are a few um, counties that are shell-issue, and, and for the people that live in those counties, great. But it sucks that you literally can drive 10 minutes in one direction, and you live over there, and now all of a sudden you can't, you can't have a permit. And so um, that's one of the things that I, I don't like about it, you know. And, and again, like you said earlier, if training wasn't required, I would still recommend paying for training and doing training yourself. Classes and drills are always important. Yes. I mean, that's what makes you good. Yes, you should know how to work what you're carrying, how to deal with jams, not only for the safety of everybody, but in case you ever had to use it and you had to deal with uh, a jam or deal with something under pressure, you need to be able to, to, to do it. You need to, you need to train. You need to, to know what you're doing. Absolutely. 100%. Now, so, I mean, I'm, I'm in agreement with it. Uh, you know, I feel like some training is, is, is required in most States and, and I don't have, like I said, a problem with that. Here's my big issue with this one, um, is that you can only have one to six guns registered to your permit in the state of California. In fact, some counties, I believe only allow you one gun. That's it. You can have one gun, you qualify with it, and that is it. You can't carry any other gun. Um, I know there's a few counties around here that allow you up to three guns, and then there's one county um, in particular that allows you to carry up to six guns. Um, but you have to qualify with each gun, which again, it's it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I, I guess, like I get it, You could, but you could easily qualify and then like be denied the permit. Like you said, it, it, it's just... There's so much of it where like you could go through all these hoops and then still get denied yeah. the permit. And that's the part that, that I don't really like. Now, here's the other issue is let's say you're new to this. You go through all the hoops. You get your concealed carry license. You only have one gun. That's the gun that you carry. And then as you start buying more guns, you now have to requalify with each new gun. And it costs to add each new gun to your permit. Yes. So unlike other states where that's it's like we give you a concealed carry permit, you can carry any pistol you want. So if you're just driving around in your truck all day and you want a big old 44 Magnum in the glove box, that's fine. Yes. Right? 
But if you want to then transition to a subcompact nine millimeter and go walk around and do whatever, it's like, okay, that's fine too. Over here, it's, well, you got to qualify with the 44. You got to qualify with this. You got to qualify with that gun. You got And so um, half the time, even getting an appointment to go in and qualify will take a year at a time. So yeah, yeah. and literally a year. I mean, it's not... It's not an exaggeration when you say a year. No, I, there's, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from experience of knowing people who have applied where the wait lists have been two years. Yes. I had a buddy yeah, who ridiculous. applied two years ago and his, his date is coming up soon. Yeah. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. Two years ago. Applied in 2017, barely getting his interview date in 2019. Plus, he's got six months now of a process to go through. Background checks, training, qualifications, and everything. Yeah, and the problem is if... You know, you're somebody that's not familiar with with guns and firearms, uh, writing these laws. I I know one of the arguments uh, would be, well, why do you need to carry different kinds of guns? Why do you, what, you know, and you know, they, they, if you don't understand why, you know that that's how I understand why some of these laws get passed. It's you know, I mean, it's something as simple as well in the wintertime, I like to carry a bigger gun because it's full size and I feel more comfortable. But in the summertime, I don't have the room to carry that. Yeah, you know, it's. Yeah. it's uh, well, you know, and I'm not it wearing also, a jacket every day. It or, depends on where you're going. Yeah, you know? it definitely depends on where you're going. If you're going to be in a position where you think that if a potential threat were to, you know, come up and you're going to have to take a shot over 25 yards, yeah, you want a little bit bigger of a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you, know? you want to dress up and you want to carry a Springfield 1911 TRP, stainless steel. Ridiculous. <laughs> and you don't want to go with that mil spec. Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you, what, you think it's going to shoot an extra yard further? It's a forty-five. come on. It looks a lot nicer than Oh, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, my thing is that the, the biggest issue with this whole thing should be learning the laws and common sense when it comes to CCW. Eight to 16 to even 20 hours of training is not going to make you a better shooter. No. It's, it's, just, it's not going to make you a better shooter, which is why I think qualifying is stupid too. Because either you could, like, essentially you have to come in knowing how to shoot. Yes. You know, there's no, like, hey, we see you, here's a permit, now go out and practice. It's like, no, you got to come already ready to go and, and be able to, like, you know, perform. I think that's very limiting on certain people who maybe just, like, a mom who doesn't have time to necessarily train mm-hmm. but wants to carry a small gun in her purse. Yes. You know? Yeah, and I don't know, um, I mean, accuracy is huge and it is quali- qualifying under certain circumstances doesn't necessarily still doesn't mean you know how to to handle a, a gun right i mean it, it has nothing to do with that because yeah. i think the way that they have you qualify is you line up you shoot you know however many rounds at 15 yards however many rounds at seven yards and however many rounds at 10 yards or whatever and it's like okay you, you need 70 percent to qualify okay what happens when the bullets start flying or when stuff is going on or there's a car alarms going off or sirens or whatever you know are you going to be able to to perform at 15 yards the same way yeah, and um, another thing, too, is knowing how to handle a gun. And California already makes the uh, seller do a full check uh, and make sure that the purchaser, if that's a word, yes, the purchaser, yes. <laughs> if the purchaser knows how to operate the gun, they have to show them, and that's part of a checklist that they have to do. Yeah. So every gun you buy, you're going you're gonna to at least have some familiar, familiarity right. with it. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Eight, eight hours, and I think they're talking about moving it to 16 hours, but in my opinion, eight hours isn't going to make you a better shooter. No. It's just not. So I'm not pushing for them to go, okay, well, then let's just up it to 60 hours or however long it's going to take. No, it's something where if, if you want – it's just a – A, it's just a right. Mm-hmm. Um, but B, it's one of those things where if you care enough to go out and, and jump through all these hoops, you mm-hmm. probably care enough to train beforehand and know what you're doing yeah and um you know training's training's the one half i think the other half that's really important is understanding the laws and knowing right and um i definitely recommend people taking that class i just don't know if government mandating it is something that i you know would agree with they you know they mandate certain things for you know like a driver's license you have to be able to pass a permit test i would be okay with hey if you don't want to take a class then be able to test out yeah you know if you can pass a test that that you know all the ccw laws for your state then I don't see a reason. But like I said, being from California, if that's <laughs> the case, and you know, if that's the case, if that's all I have to do, I would do it. Yeah, just to be able to do it. Absolutely. But, um, you know, that still doesn't guarantee us. Uh, well, and I think the, the whole point is that that they just want to make it as difficult as possible for people. Yeah, I so. mean, that seems like what it is. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I pretty much said everything on this one. You you want to move on to our next? Uh, yeah. Our next bill. <laughs> 
Yeah, so uh, AB3129, firearms prohibited persons, uh, creates a lifetime ban on gun ownership for anyone convicted of misdemeanor domestic violence. However, it only applies to convictions after January 1st, 2019, and it is not retroactive. I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't have much to say about this one. Um, it's a, it's definitely more of a sensitive topic for, for some people. Domestic yeah. violence is not, not a good thing ever at any time. So in my opinion, I, I think that this is a pretty solid law. Well, um, my, my problem is uh, the lifetime ban and the domestic violence um, thing it's a little it's a little scary for me because um, the conviction is, is a big thing you have to be convicted in order for this to go through but a lot of times uh, fighting um, is both ways and and you know a lot of things can go wrong where people get accused of stuff that maybe didn't happen but they can't really uh, prove it in court um, so that's kind of scary that's lifetime but you know it, it you have to trust you have to trust the justice system and um if you're convicted then you know that's uh that that that's where it kind of gets a little a little weird with me I'm, I'm not exactly sure how i feel about this i don't like lifetime for anything yeah um you know and uh, did, do you even know what, what what would be misdemeanor domestic violence as opposed to like felony or um i don't know you you might be able to look up what that is um i do have some notes here currently so so current california law is set at a 10-year ban on possessing firearms or ammunition um for misdemeanor domestic violence um and you, you'll probably want to look it up for california sorry but um like i said i, I think if if it's a true conviction and someone actually did follow through with this and you know they they committed a, me, a domestic violence misdemeanor yeah i don't see any issue um with them if, if it was truly malicious and then they they were convicted but i completely agree with you that that's what i actually have here in my notes is is my only issue for this is that um maybe innocent people wrongfully convicted on false allegations so like maybe a you know, a husband and wife are going at it. She lies and tells uh, law enforcement, you know, he did this, this, and this, or even vice versa. A husband does and says, you know, she's crazy, this, this, and that. Um, and then that leads to a he said, she said kind of wrongful conviction. Um, I, I, that's where I have issue with it as well. Because, yeah. yeah, I think anyone – but but in that case, I, I feel the same about anything. If you're wrongfully convicted of anything, it it's tough. It's not fair. In this case, though, <laughs> I mean, people I, have been wrongfully convicted and put to death. So. Right, and so in this case, I think it's a little it's a little more cut and dry though, because oftentimes uh, domestic violence can be he said she said. Yeah. You know, if she says this or he says this, um, they can put someone um, away for that. So here's my thought on the law: is I think that maybe it should be updated to um, yeah a lifetime, but there should be a challenge or appeals process mm -hmm. for someone. Um, and then if, if found innocent, uh, it should be immediately uh, reversed. And then there also, in my opinion, I think there should be a penalty for someone who makes up false domestic violence claims. If, 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 a, if a conviction, a wrongful conviction is found to be overturned in this appeals process or challenge process, then I think that there should definitely be a penalty for the person who said, oh, yeah, he hit me or she hit me or, you know, this or that happened. Yeah. And, and so that, that's, that's really all I have to say about this one. Yeah, I, th I think that's pretty much it for me. Also, it's just it's it's one of those uh, it's one of those ones. that's really tough. I you know I I think it's currently ten years. You said yeah. Um, you know I, I think ten years uh, might be enough for a misdemeanor. Yeah. Um, but it, it's hard to say. Uh, yeah. life, lifetime. You know, something that permanent is is kind of scary. I think it is. It is definitely scary. The other thing, though, too, is is probably. I mean, and that's something I haven't really considered until right now is is the relationship, too. I mean, if that's something where the relationship is is volatile and tumultuous, where there constantly um, is is conflict, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you remove yourself from that relationship, whether that be you know breaking up or divorce or whatever, whatever the case might be. And you get out of that situation, you find yourself in a really, really good and healthy relationship later on or in a great situation, then at that point, I think that that might be grounds for, like I said, there should be some kind of appeals process or a challenge process where you can say, hey, look, I know I have this lifetime ban, but look at my, my record over the last 10 years or yeah. look, at, look at the way I've, I've made changes in my life. And so that, that would be something that would be great to have implemented. Yeah, there should be some steps that you 
that can be taken like rehabilitation, to get your wife so to speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, next is going to be Senate Bill. So SB one two zero zero. This is gun violence RO confiscation. So gun violence restraining orders. Um, this bill adds ammunition cartridges and magazines to the list of items that police can confiscate as part of a gun violence restraining order. This law is already in effect. So it was one that was voted on and it's, it's now already in effect. Um, but it is a newer law for 2019. So um, my thing with this one is ammo and magazines are pretty much worthless without a firearm. Yes. Um, so I don't really understand the whole point of confiscating them if you're already taking away the firearm. Um, I, basically, I guess in my mind, I think how, how long are they going to be confiscated for? Is it the same duration as, as the firearms? Um, what's the process and what kind of a hassle will it be to get them back? Um, and the gun violence restraining orders oftentimes are actually temporary. So it's only like a 30 day unless they can prove reason to actually keep a permanent um, thing on there. So like how hard is it going to be to get back along with the guns? Um, and then the other thing is I know that um, most departments charge a seized property fee. Oh, yeah. So it's like <laughs> how much is it going to cost to have the items returned, um, you know, and, and, and then on top of that, like will these items that have been seized from you be maintained or stored properly? Or are they just going to be like, you know what I mean? There, there's just so many factors and moving parts to it that I just feel like it's super inefficient. Yes, this is ridiculous in my opinion. Um, you can't use ammo and or magazines without a gun. And if you're willing to get a gun, it's illegal. And why would you not be willing to get ammo and magazines also? It just it doesn't make any sense. Right. It just leaves more fees for you if you're found innocent. You're still going to have to pay. Yeah. Um, and it just leaves way too much uh, uh, room for error. I mean, there's, they can lose all your stuff. Your um, Stuff can get destroyed. Yeah, stuff can get accidentally destroyed. Or, yeah. or, you know, there's just... And, you know, a lot of some people have a lot of magazines and a lot of ammunition, and that's a lot of uh, time for people to be logging all that stuff in and keeping yeah. track of it. It's a huge waste of uh, law enforcement resources, it's, in my opinion. Yeah, in my opinion, that's it, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it ta- really doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so not only then are you spending money, essentially, the taxpayers spending money on these guys logging in every single item that they're, you know, bringing in or whatever, but then it's like, now you got to pay money to have it brought back. It's taking up all kinds of room and, and seized property, like... It yeah. just seems like a huge mess. And like I said, you know, it, it's just it's it's kind of dumb because and, and don't even get me started on the gun violence restraining orders in general because mm-hmm. um, they're they're pretty easy to get. Yeah. On somebody. Um, and so, I mean, like we could go right back up to the prohibited persons, the domestic violence. You could be in a fight with a spouse or with a partner or or a roommate or, or something like that or a family member and they could immediately go, okay, he's crazy, take away his guns. Now all of a sudden they storm in, take your guns, take your ammunition, take your yeah. magazines. You've done nothing wrong. Nothing that goes to court, nothing's comes of it. They can't, you know, go any further with it. Now you gotta pay all these fees to get your stuff back. Yeah. When you did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah, in my opinion, this one's stupid. I think they should just get rid of this one. That that's just my it's just dumb. It's it's really dumb. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Um, you know, like I said, and it goes back to the uh, criminals. Uh, <laughs> will do what they want. Criminals will do what they want anyway. You know, if you're going to get a gun on the black market or illegally, however, or if you're going to borrow one from somebody else, you're not going to get it without guns or ammo. Yeah, and yeah you can easily magazines. get the ammo. You can easily get the magazines. Like what? What are you going to do with an empty gun? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it, and so. just and the, and in the. The same thing is, what are you going to do with a magazine full of ammo well, with no gun? And w- let's come back to this when we get down to Proposition 63. Remind me if I don't bring it up but okay. to come back to this because I have a good point that kind of ties in with both. So moving on to the next one is Assembly Bill 1968. So this um, is in, in regards to mental health. So this mandates a lifetime ban on the ownership of firearms for individuals if they were involuntarily admitted to a mental health facility for more than once. Uh, uh, sorry, more than once within a one-year period because they were deemed a danger to themselves or others, the individual could appeal the ban every five years. Okay. So um, the bill becomes operative at the end of 2019. Now, the reason why I like this one is I think that this one is a solid law. 
I have no issues with this one that I could find. Now, there might be something I didn't read every single paragraph of it. It's a lot of uh, legal jargon, and I don't know that I could even uh, interpret all of it. Uh-huh. But I, I do think it's a solid law. Now, the reason why I think it's solid is because um, it, it has strong safeguards. Now, you have to be involuntarily admitted twice, more than once, so twice or more, in one year. So does that mean 365 consecutive days or from January 1st to December 31st? No, no, no. It says within a one-year period. Okay. Within a one-year period is actually what the law states. So sorry, I, I should have added period to the end of that. So within a 365 consecutive day, um, if you get admitted involuntarily twice, um, then they can now uh, mandate a lifetime ban. The reason why I also like this one is it does allow for the appeal for the ban every five years. So you could go back and appeal it and get, you know, maybe test out or, you know, take a psych exam or whatever. And, um, you know, I don't know very much about mental health facilities or, uh, or anything like that. So um, I noticed in the language it does say uh, uh, involuntarily admitted um, and deemed to be a danger to themselves or others. So, right. you know, if you're admitted for a different reason... Um, does this law apply? I'm, I'm curious. No, well, and, and that's the thing that I looked at. It's, you know, the, the idea is that they want to protect the people who they really believe are a risk to themselves yes. and to others. So many people suffer daily from mental illnesses but have it totally under control. There's a lot of people that have anxiety, social anxiety, that have maybe um, OCD or things like that that don't necessarily make them a danger to anyone else. They just have these mental illnesses that they mm-hmm. cope with and live with on a daily basis and – and are fine. In fact, you have a lot of military veterans and, and, and maybe even police officers that suffer from post-traumatic stress that have seen a lot of horrible things but can keep everything in check, mm-hmm. right? Um, so the great thing about this is this isn't just someone seeing a therapist for you know relationship issues or anxiety or whatever. It's not like, oh my gosh, if I go see a therapist, all of a sudden they're going to come and take my guns away. It's yeah. for people who are essentially suicidal, or a threat to themselves, a threat to others – and, and again, are involuntarily admitted. And so that, that's the biggest thing, um, is that they're involuntarily admitted. And, and so to me, like I said, I, I, personally, I think this is a, a solid law. Plus, it has the option to appeal every five years. Yes, that's, one, that's the one thing I do like is the option to appeal every five years. Um, you know, uh, a lot of these things aren't uh, really set in stone for California, but I wonder what the appeals process would be. And, right, and I how – yeah, yeah, do you have to really – uh, convince somebody that you're not crazy anymore, or, right? You know, um, how, I would, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of factors. There's a lot of unknowns, and that, yeah. that's that's the issue with with most of these laws. To be yeah. honest with you, it's one of those things for me though, where I just feel like uh, I, I, I'm trying to look at these in in the the best light that I possibly can. Yep. Um, I don't want to go charging in to every single one, going nope, no, 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 because essentially that's what creates conflict. So. Yeah, um, an obvious, um, you know, I, I think when you when you're arguing and you ha- you're you're on your side and that's it, and then the other people are on their side and that's it. Especially on the gun debate, this is how we get into uh, these votes where um, the extreme side wins because yeah. if you're extremely set on your view and the other side's extremely set on their view, then the laws that come to vote are going to be extreme on one side or the other. Right. And then depending on the state you live in, one side's going to win all the time. All the time, yeah. You know, so um, me, I, I try to try to approach everything with an open mind. I think that this one is pretty good. Um, I like the appeals. Um, you know, obviously there's going to maybe be some people that are going to be victims of this where, you know, maybe they don't deserve to get their guns taken away. Yeah. Um, but, you know... Just going off of memory, you know, I don't have any of the statistics in front of me, but it seems like all the big mass shootings were people that were um, medicated. Yeah. And, you know, with, uh, you know, anti-anxiety drugs or whatever. Yeah. And their guns were bought legally. Yeah. Uh, so there's a little bit of a problem there, yeah. you know. It, it, we got to figure that out. Yeah. I don't know if this has necessarily stopped that from happening. Yeah. Um, but it might reduce it a little bit. It might bit. reduce it, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, no, I, I, and like I said, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think in order to argue, you have to be able to see both sides. And, and in all honesty on this one, I'm, I'm actually kind of okay with it. So 
Um, actually, I'm pretty okay with it. Which surprises so. me because you're, I think, more of the... The, the emotional one of the two. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, more no way! <laughs> like, nothing, don't pass anything ever! <laughs> like, give me my rights! No, and, 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 but see, that's the thing, is I'm, I'm man enough to look at that and go, look, there, there's an option to appeal, there's... It's involuntarily admitted, and, and it's not on anything, it's just the, those that are deemed a danger to themselves or others. Uh, to me, that just seems like, from what I was able to read, it seems very sound. And so that's, that's... That's the thing is if, if they take the time and I'm not saying like it doesn't matter what party you're in. It doesn't matter what groups you're a part yeah. of. It doesn't matter what your ideals are. But if, if whoever was had their hand in creating this law, if they sat down and took the time to do the research and go, OK, look, we, we have the safeguards. We've got checks and balances. We've got this whole thing figured out. Yes, there are going to be some things that slip through the cracks and, and maybe sometimes we're going to be a little too strict. But we have ways to get around that and to help out. Like I'm all for it. You know, as long as it's it's in the middle and it makes sense, you know? Yeah, and then, um, you know, I'd like to add, you know, I, I understand a lot of people will go to like a slippery slope kind of thing and say, well, if we allow this, then what's to stop them from doing something even more extreme? Well, my response to that is you have to draw your line. So if I'm willing to accept this, we have to be able to say, look, if, if you go a little further then you know and you don't agree with that then we you have to speak up because here i agree with this the way it is now if they want to make it stricter yep. then we reevaluate and we say look no then this is not fair yeah i don't agree with this yeah you know so as it is i like it but yeah if they were to yeah. add anything to it or make that five-year appeal a 10-year appeal then yeah, all then of a sudden the, it's like no you have to revisit no, no, no. It and say look this is not something that i agree with now yeah, you know? yeah absolutely and I, so. I think i think a lot of people uh in order to to not argue, they just say, "Well, what about this?" And they go to an extreme example, and it's like, "Okay, but we're not talking about that right now." Yeah, we're talking right about now. We're talking about this law specifically yeah. as the way it's written. I think it's it's fine. Absolutely. <laughs> so now moving on um, to Proposition sixty three, um, I think we'll save the federal law for another time. Okay. Um, actually, we can talk about that when we talk about maybe featureless ARs and stuff like that. Just since we're we're running short on time here. Um, Proposition 63. Now, this one relates to California ammunition purchases. This was passed by voters in 2016. However, it doesn't begin until July 1st, 2019. So we still got about six months before this takes effect. Ammunition dealers will be required to check with the Department of Justice at the time of purchase that individuals seeking to buy ammunition are not prohibited persons from buying ammunition. Um, I would love to do an, a podcast just on this. Uh -huh. In fact, I've got I've, I ended up doing way more research on this <laughs> than I probably should have since we're only touching on each of these laws. Um, so I'd love to eventually do a, 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 a probably maybe close to July 1st. We can do a podcast okay. on this. But um, there's a lot of really great information about it that's finally being released. And like I said, it, it, as I was reading here, it was passed by voters in 2016. We literally have been sitting here talking to one another since 2016 on and off about the ammunition laws. What's it going to bring? What's it yeah, going to be? We had no idea. Every time you time. go into a, uh, a Turner's or a gun shop or, or Bass Pro or any of those big, you know, name stores around here, it's like, Hey, what's the update for the 2019 gun laws or ammunition laws? What's the update? And every time it's like, well, they're saying this, they're saying that. So there's been a lot of mysterious, like, uh, rumors, I guess, here and there. People have said this. They've said that. They said there's going to be a background check that you do every five years. There's going to be a card. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. We actually have more clarity on that. But what I really want to talk about is is why I think that this law is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> to put it eloquently. Well, I'll, I'll uh, can I just make a point? Yeah, really yeah, quick? of course. One thing that bothers me, um, and it's not just this law. It's it's a lot of California laws in general. And I don't know how other states do it because I'm don't live in other states <laughs> but i do not like the fact that we vote on things that we have no really uh, clear-cut way of how things are going to be <laughs> carried done. on carried yeah. out yeah, it, yeah it's just it's like know, we voted on it what three years ago and we yeah, still don't i mean we was, know now there was no infrastructure set up or no not even plans for an infrastructure no, it was just background checks for ammunition yeah. that's all it was and to me, that that's that's ridiculous. And now, like I said, we know what it is. And actually, I'm going to leave you guys on a cliffhanger. It could be cards. It could be a five-year check. It could be expensive fees. <laughs> it might not be anything really that big. But 
we'll leave you guys hanging on that. The, the most important part is that, yeah, they passed this with, with absolutely no idea how they were going to carry it out. And that, that to me is, is, is stupid. Um, going back to SB 1200, so the gun violence restraining order confiscations, uh, confiscating ammunition cartridges and magazines. Here's my point also for Proposition 63, ammunition purchases. Ammunition is basically useless without guns. The, the worst thing you could do with it is try and light it on fire and hope that it explodes. Yes. Like that, like literally, like that is essentially all you could really do with it. And here's the thing. They want us to do background checks on ammunition, but you can't buy a gun without a background check. So essentially, if ammunition is useless without a gun and you have to have a background check to buy a gun, why do you have to have a background check to buy ammunition? Like that, that's like, that's the part I don't get. Like, I just don't get it because if you're going to, sorry, I'm not going to say it, but, but essentially if you were going to do illegal things, you're going to do illegal things. You know, it's yes. just, it doesn't make any sense. And that, that's the problem. Here's the other big kicker is that reloading products and equipment that you use for reloading is all free game. You can yeah. buy that without a background check. I could buy a carton of black powder, a bunch of bullets and shell casings and primers and make all of my own bullets at home without any background check, yes. right? So that's fine. Anyone can make ammo at home without a background check, but you can't go in and buy pre-manufactured ammo that in my opinions might be better and safer than the reloaded ammo at home. Uh-huh. It's all like, you know, manufacturer specification. Like, I just don't get it. Yeah, and I don't know. Um, you know, I, it's hard for me to to get in the mind of someone else. Um, so, you know, I, and I don't like to assign uh, negative thoughts to people that I don't know what they're actually thinking. Uh, but I don't know if this is just to collect more fees. Uh, or It might be. Or if these people just – people that I, – I understand the voters probably just don't understand. Um, the way I see it is in California, if you're sold that um, this law is going to save lives, the people of California are going to vote for it because we uh, we don't really we have more people that are not educated than uh, anything else. Yeah. yeah, when it comes to firearms, even well, and I to, mean, to other laws though too. I mean, you got vaccine issues and yeah, and I healthy mean, eating, and I, I've even talked to people. That are, um, you know, not not necessarily against guns, but they're, they're really neutral. And when you talk about the law, it's like, oh, yeah, well, I want to, you know. Save more lives. Sa- save more lives. Save well, the lives, That man. sounds good. Yeah, let's um, save all the lives. But, you know, when, when you kind of explain it to them, they're like, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and in California, we, we, have a lot of, we have a lot of laws where when you explain it to somebody, they kind of understand like oh this is this is not uh what it's cracked up to be <laughs> but without that explanation they, they would just, vote for they it. just blindly vote for yeah it. yeah it's it's you know what it is it's the plastic bag theory you know we take plastic bags out of grocery stores because it saves the planet uh-huh. so now i gotta carry in canvas bags or or reusable reusable bags essentially every time i go to the grocery store and if not i get charged for it you know, most of the people read that as like, oh, yeah, like we're going to save the environment. Yeah. Well, what they didn't realize is that I can go to the hardware store and get plastic bags. I can go to Bass Pro Shop and get plastic bags. Anywhere that's not a grocery store, I can get plastic bags, and yeah. it's not a big deal. Really, all it did was screw over the grocery stores now yeah. and, and the people who have to go shop. And so that's really what this is, is that people look at this and go, oh, let's save the planet. Let's save the people. Let's save the animals. Let's save everything. And they don't really educate themselves on what it actually does. Yeah. To, and, and and who cares? I'm an American. <laughs> if I want plastic bags at a grocery store, I should be allowed to have plastic bags. It's and not my, that hard. <laughs> and my, uh, you know, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> and my thing is, I like I understand people cannot possibly do all the research and know everything about everything. No, but it doesn't take that long to Google it. Yeah, but you know, it it, it makes it tough. It it really does uh, when when uh, the majority of the people in your State just automatically think a certain way, um, wh- you know, without considering uh, the other side, uh, you know. And I think like like if this came up in a state that's more, uh, I, I don't want to say conservative, but more pro gun, yeah. Or uh, not only that, I don't even mean more pro gun. I, I just think where where guns are not used, um, th- th- there's less inner city, you know, yeah, where there's less yeah. violence, where guns are not used 
for violence are used as tools, like for hunting and things like that. Yeah. Um, a lot of people would see this law and automatically think, no, that's not good. Yeah. Um, where here, I just think it's the opposite. You know? Well, yeah, because you hear about gang violence. You yeah. hear about shootings all the time. And and a lot of it's close to home because, you know, Los Angeles is a huge city. Yeah. Um, you know, San Francisco is a big city. Yeah. San Diego. I mean, we in California, we have a lot of big cities, and that dominates – Oakland uh, and yeah, it dominates our voting. Right. I mean, yeah, the, it really the, does. The population in Calif- in uh, Los Angeles alone is just it's huge. Yeah, between Los Angeles and, and San Francisco, they pretty much can swing the entire California vote. And, yeah, I and, mean, and then honestly, we could uh, these two uh, cities can can swing the whole West Coast pretty much. Really? Yeah, they can. Yeah, and and that that's that's the upsetting part. So back to Prop sixty three bef- before we kind of come to a close is here's the other thing. So we talked about reloading products and, and, and stuff like that as well. Here's the other thing that I found. So again, I said black powder, but like fire accelerants and all of that are still legal. Yeah. Right. So like essentially, in my opinion, ammunition, like I said, is kind of useless without guns. You mm-hmm. smack a primer on the back of the head, the whole thing's going to explode in your hand. It's yeah. not going to shoot out like it wouldn't a gun. So it's kind of pointless to have that. So really all ammunition is good for without a gun is Again, an explosive. So yet we have fire accelerants that are legal and anyone could really, with enough research, could legally purchase stuff to hurt others in store. In my opinion, I feel like a machete is far more violent or can be used for far more violence than guns with no – or bullets with no gun. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, and, <laughs> and Yeah. You know, so there's so many other things that are out there that it's like, OK, well, you could just yeah. – what was it? The FBI statistics came out and said that – Blunt force trauma was like the leading cause of death, like more, more, more deaths by blunt force trauma than it was by, by firearms. So my point is, is that restricting ammo purchases and making background checks happen with every ammo purchase, I just, it just doesn't make any sense. Yes, this law for me 100% doesn't make sense. Um, you know, just forget about the, uh, the, the background checks. That in itself doesn't make sense. But the fact that this law passed with zero infrastructure in place or plan. Yeah, that to me is insane. You know, and, and for for us, I mean, when, when the year came where, okay, we're supposed to uh, do the background checks, you know, like like Ryan had said earlier, you know, you we went into our local shops and you, you kind of ask around like, well, hey, what's going to happen? Hey, can I buy ammo? You know, we, we I literally didn't know. Until I didn't know until... And literally until like probably a week ago when yeah. I researched it all and was like, oh, that's that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, you know, I go to buy shotgun shells to go to uh, the the skeet range. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not even sure, you know, yeah. and, and I was surprised when I went to Walmart and, oh, they still have ammo here. I wasn't even sure if they were going to carry ammo anymore. Well, yeah, because there was more than just this with it. I mean, you had to have like you have to have it like all locked behind counters. People can't handle it. But that started that was implemented earlier. Yeah. And that's another thing, too, is, is uh, we didn't really touch on what the sellers have to go through because they also have to be permitted and yeah. uh, it, they're making they're making it a lot harder for them to yeah. To so they sell all the have to have a, a certain class of FFL license, whereas before I don't know that they really needed that. Um, yeah, I don't and, think and ammo was as, as heavily regulated. Like I said, I'd love to wasn't. I'd love to do uh, just an episode just simply on on ammo purchases and ammo in California because I think part of the problem is that the background checks didn't start until 2019, but in 2016 when the original law passed. There were things that were implemented right off the bat. And so that there's like all that that I'd love to like go over, but uh-huh. we're just kind of sticking with 2019. So I'll leave you guys hanging on that. I know, <laughs> I know now what, what it's going to require. I know what's going to be implemented. So I'm going to leave you guys with that and, and hopefully here soon. Um, or we may just push it out till June and <laughs> July, right, right before they release it. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll do an episode in regards to, uh, ammo purchases. I think it'll be good. So um, other than that, um, I really don't have a whole lot more. We've covered all, all the laws. And again, we'll save the federal um, bump stock law. I will just read the one statement that I have on it. Just just uh, so you guys can be aware, this was by Jason Silverstein of CBS News, uh, updated January 2nd, 2019. It basically just says on the federal level, there is at least one major change coming in 2019, a ban on bump stocks, the devices that let semi-automatic rifles fire faster rounds. Um, The gunmen responsible for the 2017 rampage in Las Vegas, which is the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history, used bump stocks to fire more than 1,100 rounds into a country music festival crowd 
in only 10 minutes. Congress attempts to ban bump stocks after uh, the massacre went nowhere, but the Trump administration announced in October 2018 that it was amending the legal definition of machine guns to encompass bump stocks, effectively making the devices illegal. The ban is expected to take effect in March. So, again, we can go in deeper detail on that. Um, I'll just say, are they banning rubber bands? <laughs> I don't believe they're banning rubber bands. So, um, if you know anything about bump stocks, yeah, yeah. you'll get that joke. But yeah, I don't believe they're banning rubber bands. So I think yeah, that that's still a viable option. So um, <laughs> let, let's close it out. Uh, let's talk about the whiskey. Um, oh, yeah. My big thing I'm going to say is I think you need something like single barrel select Jack Daniels to talk about these kinds of things because it can be pretty frustrating sometimes. Oh, yeah. And I need to calm my nerves a little bit. This will definitely uh, do that. As you can tell in Ryan's voice, he got a little uh, animated, which is uh, pretty funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That had nothing to do with the whiskey so much as the emotion. Um, Uh, But in all seriousness, with... Like or like most whiskeys, um, this thing tastes a lot better when the, the ice melts a little bit and uh, kind of like, you know, it, it's it, it's like higher-end Jack Daniels. It, I don't know how else to explain it. It tastes like Jack Daniels, but good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, without that burn and stuff. Absolutely. And it's got, a, it's got more flavor than the Gentleman Jack. Um, I like it. You know, I've I, always liked it. I've had it before. Um, I, you know what we didn't mention was pricing. I believe pricing on it's about forty dollars a bottle. Yeah, it's definitely a lot uh, um, more, expensive more expensive than the general. Might even be fifty. Um, and then just so you guys know, another little unique fact. Now that I'm actually looking at the bottle, um, without giving away too much opsec, uh, this bottle was bottled on uh, March twelfth, two thousand and eighteen, and the barrel number was eighteen dash one six six. Six. Ooh. Oh, man. I don't know if I want to drink this anymore. Um, I might have to take that one home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, thanks Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we'll, we'll be doing a more cigar-centric episode next time around. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, again, uh, all, to all of our Californians, stay strong and stay compliant. And as always, we appreciate the support. And this is uh, Smoke the Podcast signing off. Have a good night. Thanks.